not much I can say that's positive about this film. Um, I liked the Tom Ford tailoring. <laughs> Hello and welcome to An Englishman and an Irishman Go to the Movies. Yeah, no fancy intro this week because if Quantum of Solace couldn't be bothered doing anything imaginative, neither am I. Um, hi Albie, hi Sean. That is the <laughs> worst excuse for I forgot to come up with an intro I've nope. ever heard. Nope, that was deliberate. That was 100% what I was going with as soon as I got halfway through the film. I was like, there is, there aren't three clever things that I can think of to reference this film, so why bother? <laughs> well, the film was released in a writer's strike, so I guess you're just, you know, mirroring the art of the film by just not bothering. Yeah. To write exactly. It. Was it actually during a writer's it, strike? It was. That makes yeah. So much they had sense. to. There was a bit of off or off the books writing going on for the script um, because technically yeah, nobody was, was allowed. Uh, it's just a mix between License to Kill, where he gets his license revoked, and anything else that happens in a Bond film, but. Before we get on to that, how are my lovely boys? Uh, in better form than you, apparently. Um, Arr, grumble, grumble. Uh, says the guy who's uh, sat at home without the heating on and is wearing a hat and a woolly cardigan to keep yeah, himself Yeah, Sean, why are you so tight? Just put the heating on. Excuse me, I'm just sitting over here in my lovely Irish uh, warm petrol fueled. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what is your house on fire yes it actually is somebody... <laughs> that's why the door is closed it's a fire door i'm very warm yeah. i'm very very warm right now uh, nice well when the seat starts getting warm that's when you know it's time to move uh, albert how are you <laughs> i'm good thanks yeah good can't complain i've been kind of inspired by our bond chats and have decided to re-watch the brosnan uh, Yay! alongside the Craig ones, which is proving to be uh, quite an interesting experience. So I've um, I've watched watched Goldeneye, and I'm halfway through the next one, which is tomorrow. Tomorrow never dies, never yeah. dies. Um, which is a car crash. Fantastic! <laughs> no, it's it. Tomorrow Never Dies is my favourite of the Brosnans. It's just so I 90s. love so it. 90s. It hurts. Yeah. But, um, it's but yeah. so Steve Jobs is evil, gonna make him the bad guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But everything. Um, oh, what's his name? Jeremy, not Jeremy. Jonathan, Jonathan Price. Price. Everything he says is like Hannibal. It's so sinister and just memorable. He just eats up every line. Yeah, he really I like does. him because he's so nice. Like, yeah, he seems he's to so be nice. just like such a pleasant fellow. But again, I've not seen. I mean, Jesus, uh, I've not seen most of the Bond films. But I've definitely, I've not seen Goldeneye or Tomorrow Never Dies. I've seen World Is Not Enough and I've seen that absolute, speaking of car crash, uh, Die Another Day. Die Another Day. I love it. I love Die Another Day as well. Oh, hang on, you but, love oh. Die Another Day and you don't like Quantum of Solace. There's something wrong with you. Yeah, but at least Die Another Day went for something. But it definitely did. It gave us an invisible car after all. Like, Quantum of Solace just gave me a bloody headache. <laughs> oh. I just love Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, tomorrow never dies. Stop all the presses. This Justin. <laughs> He's almost like delivering the lines like Captain Kirk. You are kidding me. <laughs> no, so that's how he talks. That's how Jonathan Price talks. That. Yeah. Oh, that's it is. Oh dear. It's so okay. good. So so good. Um right. Before we continue our bond bashing, um, to the news. To the news. <laughs> News team! 
That was my Venom voice, by the way. Oh, okay. Oh, it's not bad, actually. Uh, I was <laughs> suitably creeped out. <laughs> that that was the intent. That's ah. good. Um, so Venom Let There Be Carnage has come out, and it made all of the money. Um, every single last penny of it. It's made $100 million in its first weekend. I've, I think Just the, in America. The general state of reviews that I've seen, it's like, it's dumb and fun. Yeah, but I don't think anyone was expecting anything different. Because yeah, it's I think exactly what it needed what, to be. Obviously, we haven't seen it yet, because the damn thing doesn't come out over here for another week but yeah it's like the first one but turned up to 11 apparently mm. but i'm really surprised i'm more surprised regardless of like what the film is like i'm more surprised about the amount of money it's taken like that is that is a properly welcome back to the cinema like more than black widow etc yeah people just want not life to go back to normal um you know so i can i can certainly understand you know uh listen let's all flock around I will be honest and say I didn't expect it to be this film. No shade to yeah, Venom. Exactly. I, I thought Dune <laughs> would be the big one. Um, or Bond, obviously. Um, yeah, well, Bond Yeah, Bond is beating all of the records as well. I did see it's doing especially well. Especially yeah. on like, pre-sales and whatnot. What was that number, Abby? How many, was it like a... a... 1.6 million in the UK in pre-sales. That's insane. Nuts. Having worked in the business, I know that's, that's nuts. Like, that's what you hope for in an opening weekend on kind of... A, uh, you know, a pretty average film, so it's it's nuts. Um, and I think they got to over, I want to say something like twenty million dollars over the weekend in the UK. Um, I saw my ex colleagues posting about it furiously on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so fair play to them all because I know it's been a long, long eighteen months, two years of preparing for this release. I kind of yeah, just um, waiting to release the damn thing. I, say, I I do not have a dog in this fight, but I just hope it does well for everyone who was involved. And it's just been like, oh yeah. please, can you imagine it tanked? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's not. I, yeah, I don't think there's any chance of that, especially since the word of mouth is now good as well. Yeah. Um. Everyone is saying it's the like the best Craig film. So, uh, or what, what worries me is that they're saying it's a really good goodbye. So I'm like, did they kill him? Like, I think they, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't matter because each Bond series is a reboot anyway. So I'd say it matters for the new characters in this one. Like it ends with Bond dying. It's like, well, all right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Good, good inning. <laughs> yep. We're just going to have to redo some Pierce Brosnan films now because yeah. Craig won't do it. Timothy Dalton, bring it. How is Timothy Dalton not M yet? That would be great. Oh, He's the new M. Be I'd be into that. I love that we're talking about Denim, but still talking. Yeah, about I know. <laughs> we do this a lot. We did it. We drift. We drift. I, I actually haven't seen Venom, the first one. So oh, it's good. Is it worth a watch? Yeah, yes. it's worth a watch. Yeah. It's good fun. It's Tom Hardy. Just okay. it, so, it has Tom Hardy in it. Just watch it. Um, no, it's a lot of fun, and I wasn't expecting anything from it because I didn't know much about, didn't know much about the character other than Spider-Man Three. So I wasn't super excited for. I was surprised he was getting his own film. But the relationship between um, Eddie Brock and Venom is just freaking hilarious. That's so good. That's really what sells. Like Riz Ahmed is good in it. Michelle Williams is good in it. But it's it's all about Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy. Yeah, it really is. That man can just hold a film on his own. Yes, even if it's just him in a car. Yep. Speaking on a phone. Yeah. Right, let's get this over with. (laughs) 
Um, I'll say what's apparently now going to be the most controversial thing of this podcast is... Uh, so I have seen this film before. Um, I went in expecting a great honking piece of shite. And it wasn't a great honking piece of shite. It's just not a great Bond film. It's just... It's an action film featuring Daniel Craig and some people who were in Casino Royale. And I... Considering I had no expectations going in, I really enjoyed it. I like that it's short. It's one hour 45. And Yeah, I think it's the shortest Bond film, yep. isn't it? Yeah. 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 What did you think, Albie? Well, I think I made the mistake of watching this literally straight after the same day as Casino Royale. But that should benefit and it, surely. You would think mm. so, right? <laughs> it really doesn't. Um, because it just shows its shortcomings. I mean, it's listless. It's it's just violent. There's no humour. There's nothing Bond about it. It's just, you know, it feels like one of those kind of Jason Statham films that does all right. Um, <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, that's... I mean, it's 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 almost like a Bourne, but Bourne is better. So it's more Statham than Bourne for me. Um, we are just, not I loving really... Statham here this evening. <laughs> I love a bit of Statham, don't get me wrong, but... But it's know, not when bomb. You've got, when you've got a $230 million budget... I it did not it cost that much, did it? It cost that Where much. Where did you spend it? Two, 200 to 230 it was the most expensive bond to that point, and I think is until No Time to Die. I just um, don't know where they spent the money. Yeah, it's just... The word I wrote down after I finished it was vacuous. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's, yeah, it's kind of like a, a Bond Mad Libs which is like here's the outline and then just here's the structure of a Bond film and let's yeah. fit some stuff into it um, so this was my first watch of Quantum of Solace never seen it, it completely missed me what? at the, yep, completely oh. missed me at the cinema because the word of mouth was so poor um, I had I loved Casino Royale so much this needed to be, I was so disappointed that my friend's said it sucked and everybody said it sucked. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stick with Casino Royale um, and move on to the next one. So yeah, Quantum of Solace picks up an hour after the end of Casino Royale. Now that really got me excited because Mm. no Bond film has ever done that before. And as much as Casino Royale is definitely its own film, you know that Bond is set on a path at the end of it um, and he he has a mission. So it would have been a bit frustrating if that, hadn't been picked up and hadn't been followed through it would kind of if there's one thing that this movie does do is that it elevates vesper's importance but i think that's the only thing that it that it does but yeah the the film sees bond on a journey to find the people that were responsible for killing his girlfriend even though for most of the film he denies being in love with her stumbles upon a secret organization that isn't spectre (laughs) <laughs> that nobody knows anything about is disavowed by MI5 um, kills some people is reavowed and kills Vesper's boyfriend no sorry kidnaps Vesper's boyfriend and brings him in for questioning oh, and then that's yeah. the end of the film and also like for someone who's supposedly you know trying to get over the, the, the one the love of his life he hops into bed pretty quickly with another woman and that fucks really around doesn't really he bothered me. I'm not defending really that but me. that's not that shocking uh, how many of it's us not- have slept around after a breakup? <laughs> in fairness, yeah, but have you slept around after you've seen your after you watched them die? I legally can't talk about it, but um, <laughs> uh, I w- actually so as a not Bond fan, that was a question I had for you. Is because I wasn't sure were any other films direct sequels? 
No, the closest you get is that Bond's wife and her death is referenced. That's the closest you get to any kind of continuity between Bond films. So there's none others that say, you know, just picking names. There's like Dr. No ends and the next one oh for musher with love it's that they're not they don't lead straight yeah. into each other do they it's probably 15 years since i've watched either uh, of those but from my memory no no because i was thinking i mean that wasn't really a thing back in the 60s either well actually that's fair but because i was i was thinking actually watching this because this is so clearly like this is chapter two of casino royale and i know skyfall it's, and spectre are almost they're kind of a duo and by the sounds yeah. of it it's going to be a trilogy with no time mm. to die as well so is that just something that the craig films have done um yeah it, the craig films have definitely got the most continuity of any series it's much more like mission impossible now where they aren't direct sequels to each other but the other films are referenced and they're, they're acknowledged whereas previously there was just there was nothing like the roger moore ones were especially standalone um uh, pierce brosnan yeah no his rule standalone as well this is as close as it gets to be honest Okay. Um, but you, you say that it's chapter two it's an epilogue it doesn't even deserve to be a chapter it feels like you could have pretty much added another 45 minutes onto casino royale and done this if and i'm not saying anything about the quality of casino royale but for the story that goes over the two films casino royale was too long and this was too short not that I think one is better. casino royale is a better film than quantum of solace but for the story they tried to tell there was no real lead-in to this. It was just like at the end of it. Like, remember I was giving out yeah. the last day about, who the hell is this guy with the sunglass? That's my one, that's my biggest problem at the end of Casino yeah. Royale. Who is this guy? He's nobody. Um, exactly. And it was like, all right, grand. So if they were playing everything, okay, could we have had anything earlier in Casino Royale that would have led directly into, say, Quantum, more so than we got, which is why it feels like two stories that have just been, like, slammed together. <sighs> Yeah, because you've got the spooky, um, the spooky people that are chasing Le Chief. Um hmm. They're always in the background, but Quantum is never mentioned at all. Um, I can't remember if they come up in Spectre or Skyfall. I'm going. Spectre to... is obviously about Spectre. Well, I'm I don't go- I, think. I think Spectre it retcons Quantum into being Spectre. Into... I think you're right. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Spoiler for those who haven't seen Spectre, I guess. Um, but yeah, well, the title was there a was there a rights <laughs> issue or something that they got? I know the phrase no, "Quantum of Solace" no. came from. Well, I, no, I just read this uh, from a short story that Ian Fleming wrote. So that phrase mm. is the title of a short story. But apparently, this film has nothing to do with that story. They just went, "Oh, I like that f- phrase." Yeah, there was definitely there was definitely a rights thing. Um, but the kind of genesis of this film, um, like they wanted to bring Quantum of Solace out like really quickly after Casino Royale. So that they had announced that they were going to release it 18 months afterwards, which for this kind of a film is insane. And oh, then, I didn't see uh, look, Craig. I, yeah. yeah uh, they luckily extended that and then they hit the writer's strike. Um, so it's the same writers as Casino Royale. The main yeah. writer apparently like handed in his final draft two hours before the strike but there could be no rewrites so actually a lot of the rewrites (laughs) apparently were done by the director and daniel craig um who neither of whom are writers so um it explains why there's sort of a lack of consistency because the thing with you know thinking about it as a sort of an addendum to casino royale because it's not a sequel it's just like you say and it's just a bit extra on the end it feels like 
it genuinely feels like someone who watched the film three years ago and is just trying to remember bits and then trying to write around it. Because they even change aspects of Vesper in it as well. Like, I think there's a bit where Bond says, says oh, she's strikes me as too sentimental for, for Vesper or something when she's completely sentimental in the film before. So it just feels like they just didn't watch the film <laughs> that preceded it that they were trying to write a sequel to. Um, on that, just picking up on that really quickly and this i might have just misread the scene but jumping to bond's confrontation with the boyfriend and the actress stan akatic who i know from castle which is a great show um yeah. is the Bennett. the girl who's there with this this boyfriend and he's talking to her like you know kind of let me guess you're an agent undercover you know you've been you know seduced by this guy and it sounded like he was trying to say that vesper was also yeah, an agent. I was like, but she wasn't. She was an accountant. Yeah, but she still worked for MI5. Yeah, or the government. Yeah, she had links. For the treasury. Oh, okay, yeah. the treasury. Yeah, it was kind of. The, it was like I was. I was like, is he trying to make it sound like she was an agent? No, she's she's the li- liaison between MI5 and the treasury, so she would have access to to both ends. I I like that. It is a bit more redeeming for Vesper, um, because none of it was other than coming. I mean. She couldn't really come clean because she didn't even know that he was dodgy. Um, she didn't really know anything at all. Um, and that's one thing where I think Bond doesn't give her enough credit. He takes it very personally. He's a bit surprise, surprise, arrogant about it all. He's taking it very, very personally. I'm in two minds about it. I'm in two minds about it because it's like it does. It it dials up. You know what a good altruistic person she was. You know, and, you know, Mathis really hammers home the she gave up everything for you. She gave up everything yeah. for you. It's like, we we get it. And but then it's also like, yeah, but she was also duped. So is there an intelligence issue here? Oh, or... you can't call her stupid. <laughs> hey, you can't. I mean, this guy's clearly a fucking body. Clearly a body. Look at him. Look at those eyes. Obviously evil. Oh. So let's talk about the returning characters from Casino Royale that get wrapped up. So Mathis was dead from the second he walked onto the screen and decided to come with um, Bond. I like uh, yeah. that he got some redemption. I don't like that he died. That was I think such... it's stupid that he died. That was a waste for character. It is such a hollow death as well. It feels just... It feels like it was there to have some emotional punch and it just it did not. And they were like, there's no character in this film other than like M and Bond who we have an emotional connection to. So we have to use Mathis because even in this film, and I like Jeffrey Wright, liked him in the last one, liked him in this. I wouldn't really care if they killed him off in this one. And at least they seem to have realized that themselves. Yeah. Also, they needed they needed him to stay alive. But that's it. Like, there's there's no one else. I suppose, yeah, Gemma Arterton, but they needed to do that tribute to Goldfinger. Um, Strawberry Fields. Oh my gosh. It's so dumb. Um, and that is the most stereotypical Bond thing, is you have this very independent, forceful woman that as soon as she gets boned by Bond, she turns a, she turns dumb. And then suddenly she's just a puddle of, we'll do anything for James and run, James, run. And then ends up in a golden um, tribute. What is it? Goldfinger tribute covered in oil. Which was just so... Covered in black gold, you might say. Uh, so ham-fisted. It felt like they were um, doing like a throwback to the earlier Bond girls because even just like 
her hair and turning up to pick them up in this sort of strange trench coat thing in Bolivia. It was just like, which clearly she had nothing, which clearly she had nothing on Kinda. underneath. It just felt yeah. like some strange choices. Given that actually, you know, when it comes to Camille, she has some depth to her. And actually, you yeah. know, I, I, I thought like, she's not really a Bond girl in the traditional sense, but no. she's actually pretty well served in the film. But, but Strawberry Fields just felt like a... It, it almost felt like a, a sort of a joke, a comedy thing. It was just so bizarre. This is what I mean by it being the kind of template thing, because it's like we know that the writer, whoever the writer was, knew that um, Bond and Camille weren't going to get together because that didn't feel right. So they get a kiss at the end and that's it. So they were kind of like, well, he's got to fuck someone. So what do we do? And in comes Strawberry Fields. That's I think that's as much thought M as went into was it. was right there. I think they were like... Come on. I would have bought that more, to be honest. Judy Dench would have rocked his world, let's be honest. And you know, yeah. I've, I've always seen M as a mum to this Bond in particular, but they yeah. didn't have to bloody say it. I was like, is that, is that your mother? Oh, she likes to think so. I just... It didn't need to be said. Oh, did they say it in this film? Bond I literally that says it. She likes to think so. And I was like, well, way to spoil the thing by observing it. Okay, I'm glad I missed that because you're right, that's like, that doesn't need Just to be said. Just doesn't need like, to be said. So done. There's a lot of, because uh, I'm, I'm not going to struggle to defend this film. There is bits that I did like that, that car chase in the start. That's really good. That is a, that is a solid action set piece. Which one? And the, the very, the opening of the film. Oh, where he's still got green in the boot. Yeah, not green. I enjoyed white, that. White, sorry. Uh, white white. Yeah, yeah, it's like, there's a, there's a fierce load of like coloredy names in this one. Yeah, I think that's deliberate. That, I thought, yeah, solid chase. That was really good. Complete reckless disregard for other drivers on the road. A lot of people died. As usual. A lot of yeah. people surely died in that. Um, I don't know. And, Didn't do anything yeah. for me. What about you, Albie? No, my, my issue is the first 30 minutes is just seppi, 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 seppi. No plot, no story, no nothing. So I, by the time I got in, like, so that, those first few minutes, I was kind of going, hang on how did he get from shooting the guy in the foot to suddenly being in a car chase? Um, so that, that bothered me. Um, I liked, there was bits of con- continuity I appreciated. So I actually went and checked. He was wearing the same clothes he was at the end of the film before. Nice. Um, nice. But I just remember thinking, meh. And then it went straight to, was it Sienna next where they did the, yes, and, the, and then, the big chase and, then and everything. Yeah. Chase, and then and I was just like, Jesus, like, Give me a chance to catch my breath here. The bow chase did nothing for me. Yeah, it was yeah. the cumulative effect of all those set pieces before you get any character, any plot, any sense of orientation, really. Is kind of exactly. The, the problem is it's not like the opening set piece in Casino Royale either because it's not done very well. No. The first note I had was um, I would expect this to have set the record for the amount of cuts in a film. Because I'm sure there's 17 million shaky cam cuts. It's it it's me. like the Bourne Supremacy. Well, inter- it was interesting, dizzy. Interesting fact: the second unit photography um, director did all the Bourne films. What and, a f- and flipping surprise! Rumor is that he sort of took over direction of the film because it wasn't coming together under Mark Forster. Um, so actually, you know, he's basically he basically shadow directed the film, which explains mm. why. Well, That's interesting endless direction kind of action sequences with that bloody shaky camera really choppy editing yeah. it just makes it really confusing to watch um 
The difference is with Bourne, that it does the same style, but Bourne knows how to balance that out with good character beats. And I think that's where, where yeah, this falls Yeah, it's down. used sparingly. Yeah, yeah there's nowhere Fair near as many um, set pieces in Bourne. But they're the worst bits of supremacy and ultimatum at the fight scenes, yeah. especially when what you had in um, the Bourne identity was basically Casino Royale, like really physical, hand-to-hand, bruising fights. Um, and there's none of this in... None of that in Quantum of Solace either. I don't feel any of the physicality that Craig had in the first film. It's yeah. just cut, cut, cut. He's now bloody. I thought there was there was a couple of moments where I thought they they're kind of pushing it in terms of the rope fight um, in Siena. Yeah. I thought that was just getting a bit ridiculous toward the end. Uh, himself and was that the scaffolding? what's his name? Is it? Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah, they're getting pulled up and down on the ropes, and oh, it should have shattered his leg bone. Like, yeah. ne- never mind the muscle on your leg. Like, that's gonna snap your that's bone. Your bone in half. This thing. Like, it just, it just. Blew. Absolutely. That's actually that's a perfect description yeah. of it. Um, I was reading Roger Moore. Apparently, that was his big. He's like, you know, yeah, it's a fine story, but it's just a big action cut chase. It's not really a Bond film. Yeah. Roger Moore is gonna. If Granddad Bond is gonna say, this is not a Bond film, then all right, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, it's the only film as well, isn't it, where he doesn't say Bond, James Bond. Like, just little moments like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, or at least it, had, it hadn't, it had been in every film for the last yeah. 10 or 12 or whatever it and was. And this time, actually, Ian, your complaint about Casino Royale actually is true for this one. They don't do the theme at all in this film. It's only in the closing credits. Yeah. Because I was keeping an eye out for it. Yeah. Uh, whereas last time, they just snuck it in there, just in that last scene with, uh, with Mr. White's poor leg. Uh, that's one thing actually I don't I didn't remember um, Mr. White surviving I thought he was taken out in that opening so I, I thought I had it in my head like oh, yeah, he, we get a few minutes of him then he's off nope. and it's off onto the next uh, mystery yeah um, I liked the opera scene that was stylish stylish I thought the way Agreed, it was shot actually it, it looked really good I really liked Bond looking out over the crowd um, mm. talking to everybody suddenly yeah. and then they all start leaving and he's just like right snap 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 and then when he runs down the stairs and actually comes face to face with uh, with Green, that was really that was the tensest part of the film. Um, mm. But then it devolved just... into blurry action cam fisticuffs. I mean, that is one of the yeah. redeeming qualities of the film for me is the sort of production design style of it. I think you know mm. that and the hotel at the end was really visually interesting. Mm. Um, Although, don't get me... St- what a weird place for a yeah, hotel. Yeah, also, don't get get me started on why you'd build, basically, a giant powder keg as a hotel. Um, yeah. You know, gas what canisters every of, like, 10 foot. I mean, place. speaking of Chekhov's gun, oh, my... This is the worst bit of writing in the entire film, is when one of them is talking about noise, and they're just like, what's that noise? And like, oh, it's the gas that runs the place. And I was like, please don't say sounds unstable. Please don't say sounds unstable. And the guy literally yeah. says, hmm, sounds unstable. And then cut to something else. I was like, oh, it's going to blow up. <laughs> just, like, just leave the hotel now. If you want to live, oh, leave now. I didn't need to. Just, it's so bad. It's so poorly, poorly written. And also, remember I was keeping score on product placement in the last film. Mm. This this film goes up a level again, and actually, almost fifty million pounds of the budget came from product placement. Um, Worth it. And this is I was <laughs> I was mentioning this to to Shawnee before we started. Um, we do you remember we were kind of 
bemused by the Ford Mondeo. And in this film, you've got a Ford car, which Camille drives. Um, mm. Ford own Aston Martin. So that explains... Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. They, d- they did a big kind yeah. of product placement deal with them. So they're like, here's our high-end model and here's our Mondeo. Um, and here's, and here's the affordable one for you players. Yeah, I was going to say, here's what you people yeah. can afford. Yeah. You have like in this one again, you got Virgin Atlantic again. So that was that really weird. Yeah. Scene. That was more. I think it was nearly mo- it was well, okay, more obvious. More obvious. Richard Branson was literally in Casino Royale, Sean. Okay, uh, but no, the fact he was like sat in the upper circle bar having a little cocktail with your man. Um, but again, you got more Sony Ericsson. There was a lot of drink in this one, so Heineken, Smirnoff. Um, mm. And so yeah, it was it was even more. It, it wasn't as kind of obvious, I think, as Casino Royale, but if you're looking for it, you can see it. Um, you can see where they, they got that money. What time is it? Allow me to check my Omega watch. Yes. Oh, no, you it's know. Psycho. Uh, one, uh, <laughs> one other interesting fact is he was dressed by Tom Ford in this film. Um, oh, that is actually, actually interesting. I do, I do like, I, I think he looks pretty slick in this, but he has a terrible haircut. Oh, he looks really bad, doesn't he? Yeah. What was going on with the hairstyles? Your man's henchman, what was that? And then, yeah, as you say, Strawberry Fields hair, it was just like, I, I don't know whether it was a wig or just a dreadful cut because it just looks, or even when she, she looks beautiful, like Gemma yeah. Arton is a beautiful, beautiful person. Uh, I really, I'm not doing well on the misogyny count you're here. But anyway, they just completely fucked up the hairstyle. It was yeah. like a um, soccer mom wig yeah. that they plonked on top of her head was str- I was expecting her to whip it off and you know have long flowing locks underneath it was strange but actually, blonde flowing locks but, but it was the mm. the men came out just as bad in this one sadly um, Elvis who was called Elvis can we just point that out yeah Elvis just generic henchman has to have bad hair what got me was obviously some I can't remember what happened but he sustains an injury and he has a neck brace on for the last half of the film but it's yeah. black so it's like to because so we know he's evil we'll give him a black neck brace but it was like was he supposed to be comic or what because there's a bit where he falls well, down he wasn't funny off, comic, yeah. and it's just like yeah huh but it, he wasn't funny that's the problem but he also had nothing to do like it was just strange a strange yeah. choice and that's the other strange tro- like as much as I love I think Olga Korolenko's actually a really fine actress um, and actually I think she does a pretty good job in this having her play Bolivian was a choice hmm, yes um, uh, her characterization was very i thought it was very inconsistent you know if she has been you know drafted by bolivian special ops to go after this guy i don't know it was she seemed her relationship with green seemed really really personal which was at odds with what she was saying that oh he was just a turnkey he was just a means to an end and i didn't i never really bought that hmm. in this and also because her actual target is also such a nothing character. Yeah, exactly. Like he's just a he's a pervert. Like yeah, he's a yeah. he's a murdery pervert. But the person she really needs to go after is Green if she's going to do someone a favor. I get it's a personal mission, but my, my problem with uh, I totally agree. She does a fantastic job as an actor. But my problem with Camille's story is that it doesn't belong in this film. It's too it's too big. It's too important for the film that surrounds it. So these really sincere moments that she has with Bond and this really tragic story just doesn't belong in this thoughtless action film. Um, it's just out of place. And if you remember in, in Casino Royale, I had a slight issue with, um, you know, female lead characters who come from that place of trauma and Bond saves them. Um, mm. 
it didn't like there was an element of that in this film but actually she was more a mirror for bond rather than being needed right, to be yeah. saved by him and the bit i really loved was when he kissed her at the end and she just walked away so like that's why she's not like your classic bond girl in that mm. she didn't suddenly go oh james and fall into his arms mm. you know and and i loved that that bit of dialogue between them about like you know um how how does it feel when you get your revenge and and yeah and it's kind of like tell me let me know kind of thing i, I thought that was yeah quite let a me nice know when, when it happens um yeah. Yeah. so yeah so so i actually i liked olga in the film i thought she was really good uh, and an interesting kind of foil for for bond in that sense um, yeah just yeah. in in a in a surrounded by a bad movie yeah but also they are dreadful human beings they just walk yeah. right past that village and they don't tell them they're sitting water. on a reservoir. There's These water this way. People are clearly dying of thirst. Yeah, and they've walked, so it can't be that far. Yeah. You know, yeah. they've walked from this reservoir and be like, oh, oh, guys, you thirsty? Oh, well, actually, if you just head back about 500 <laughs> feet that way. Yeah, they're terrible like, people. That was, that was a bit like, oh, that's a bit bad now, guys. They just walk to the nearest village and get the bus. Yeah, basically. Um, so let's talk about the bad guy, um, Dominic Green, played by um, Matthew Almerich. Um I like him. He's got the creepy Bond bad guy look, the odd accent, but he's just a bit wet. <laughs> it just, it just ends up being seems, a damp squib. It just all seems very low stakes for me, even though it is. It's big, and we're like, oh my god, we'll control you know the source of what I just did. Well, the most care. the most ridiculous line is when he's handing over um, power to the dictator, and then he's just like. And you will sign this paper, signing over all of the utility rights to my company. We're talking about utilities. Are we playing fucking Monopoly? Like, did you just get the water work? He's literally talking about providing water to the country through his energy company, which is a green energy company. Cool. And he's, and he's mis-selling green. oil to the Americans, and the name is green. It is, it's so... It's, it's almost as mundane as Tomorrow Never Dies, but at least Tomorrow Never Dies is entertaining. But that has a mundane bad guy plan, which is just make the news. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Creepy now, when you see what has been going on in the world. Oh, it's pressure. When you see about like the hacking yep. scandal and all that, it, it sort of takes on a whole new meaning. But Well, but, deep, deep fake videos weren't even a thing back yeah. then. But what he's doing is basically deep fake news. Yeah, it's Facebook. Um, <laughs> it's it's yeah. Yeah. news car. It's like everyone. Hang on, we've lost Albert. We have lost Albert. His entire uh, house has been shut down. Um, but no, I agree. I, I so things I appreciated about the, the villain in this film is that he's not disfigured, so there isn't. Like that. <laughs> yes. That Although you know yeah. we have Camille who is disfigured, but actually that ties into her story, so that that's okay. Yes. Um. He he's kind of a quiet villain, isn't he? And. I like that they were trying to do that. But when you've got a film that is essentially high octane, relentless action sequences, it yeah. just feels so at odds. And there was actually a moment where I did laugh out loud, uh, which is the fight between him and Bond at the end. A, because, yeah. a, because the fight was so ridiculous because Bond would clearly... It's so mismatched. Yeah, yeah, but he kind of... It should have taken three yeah, seconds. The, the guy, the villain, like Green just suddenly went like feral and started like, yeah. swinging and screaming and all this sort of stuff and it just felt so such a shift for the character it was just kind of yeah. i ended up laughing i was like this is nuts like i was i watched the film i think on saturday and you know here we are 
several days later and I'm kind of like I, I don't remember much about him except him going feral at the end <laughs> and the fact that he was he was called Green and had a green energy company <laughs> it was just like he picks up a metal pipe and starts yeah. beating Bond with it to the point where it bends over Bond's back and Bond's just like well I'll just keep on going yeah, yeah. alright Superman yeah. that's Although the I most did, damage he it, ends up doing yeah and the axe and the foot that bit did make me Stop laughing. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh that, was, that cringe. Because like, yeah. the, oh. the morbid part of me wants to know, did it go between toes or did it go through a toe? And, uh, yeah. oh, then, it's horrible. And then there was that choice of like, oh, no, he actually gets out and survives. And then Bond confronts him in the desert and says, here's some oil. Um, good luck. <laughs> and then, you know, obviously he dies a slow, miserable death, which... Fight. Oh, did you? Did he was found with motor oil in his stomach? Does that ring any bells to you? <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> but yeah, that is consider he's so he's such a thoughtful, well planned out, well spoken villain throughout the film. But it's almost like well, it's a Bond film, so we need to have a fight and a big showdown at the end. Mm-hmm. But but we didn't with Casino Royale. Like, Lashif had an original and Yeah, but no, 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 forget about that. We need to have a big fight at the end. And it's just back to the Bond template of ridiculous mm. showdown. It totally mismatched. He, This is like Bill Gates going up against The Rock. It's There's no way, it doesn't matter how much he's swinging that axe, he's not going to win. And it almost feels like the only reason they did it was so that Bond could not drop him so not killing green and not killing uh, mitchell is supposed to show us that bond has grown and he's moved on that that that's it i, I, don't, I don't see I thought what else there thought he did kill him. isn't mitchell the, the boyfriend fella he kills at the scaffolding no sorry who am i thinking of who's the boyfriend oh yeah actually what's his oh, name oh yeah um no the boyfriend is mitchell isn't it no yeah. no sorry Jones mitchell thing. is the he works for MI5 he's... and went rogue. Yeah. Sorry, who, wh- whoever the boyfriend is, he's only in it at the end. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, sparing those two shows that... Yeah, and they, M makes such a... They, how many times do they have to say, oh, are you going to kill this one? Oh, could you do your best not to kill this one, Bond? Oh, have you killed him? And like, yeah, we get it, Bond kills people. And it's like they had to hammer that home so much that the two people he doesn't kill stood out. It's such lazy writing. That's to spoon feed you yeah, every bit of it. Unfortunately. Probably because it was written um, by, by people. Yeah, on written the by Daniel Craig writers. and Judy Dench. <laughs> oh, Judy Dench would have done a great job, yeah. don't be silly. Um the just to go back to the general for a second, I mean, he was a nothing character, but we we had, had enough of his backstory to be like, yeah, it's grand, kill him without trying to include a rape scene as well like there was no need for that that was difficult he was even enough that was difficult to watch and it did feel there was a Una Chaplin I think from Game of Thrones she was uh, Robert Stark's wife Uh, Talisa Um, that's where I recognised her from I I, I did the kind of oh it's her (laughs) moment when she walked out on screen but like take that to my room at no point does he say take that to my room and wait there well, I knew it was um, coming. Yeah. Like that was what he uh, should have said. I don't know why she'd be there otherwise. Um, and that that yeah. felt like a plot that you could see happening. Like you say, like you yeah. knew she was going. Um, Camille was going to turn up, and to, and then he was going to turn on her, and didn't then do the oh your mom kind of comment. You know, like it just felt like yeah, it, it sort of felt like first year scriptwriter writing on that. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and it shouldn't because it's like such a, <clears throat> uh, 
is so difficult to watch um, mm. and is a reality of, you know, what women experience. It just felt really badly handled. Yeah, considering how thoughtful her story is, that's mm. a really ham-fisted way of wrapping wrapping up that section of it. Um, it's just a bit thoughtless. He's just a brute. He's not, like, there's nothing yeah. special about him. He's just this horrible shape of a man. And, okay, that's fine, but not necessary no. he killed her family that's enough incentive yeah exactly yeah but i do like how the fire played out so the fact that she basically had a had a panic attack and hid in a corner because her house burnt down so she's going through exactly the same thing again um mm. so if there's ever a time that bond is going to come and save the day it's when she's faced with a fear that bond doesn't have um, so that I actually I, I I liked that that was that was good and I, I actually thought like it was a redeeming moment for Bond where he just exactly. holds her and comforts her and sort of recognizes what she's going through can't drag you through this one yeah exactly and for once you know he's not just casting off women to serve his purpose kind of thing <laughs> well bye then yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. just I won't be needing this but, anymore but this is something actually sorry that myself and I were talking about just before you joined in um, so many times Bond survives by pure dumb luck <laughs> like they, they were dead in that room except another tank appeared and it happened like three or four times well in the film what annoyed me about that in particular was that bond is getting ready for it i was like how fucking prescient was that like he he cuddles her he grabs her up and just like right, hold on tight gets his gun out then the, the the panel pops off the wall to reveal the gas thing and then the expression on his face is like oh cool i'll shoot that i was like Wait, what, what was you planning to shoot? Were you just hoping... Oh, were you just... themselves. Oh, that's what I, yeah, I thought they were going to... That's gonna... what I took it as. He was going to... Oh, really? Yeah, that's exactly how I took it. He was going to shoot her and then she shoot himself. He was basically saying, please don't make me go through this again, sort of thing. So that's... No. Yeah. Oh, no, Which is I why, missed that entirely. Which why it was like... You know, so yeah, that's th- why... Oh, well, that, I don't know if that's worse. Uh, that might be worse. No, I, I, th- I think up until the bit where the panel falls off the wall, I think that's a very... Su- from Bond entering the... No, from from the general dying to Bond shooting the tank, I think that's one of the best yeah. scenes in the film. But then, yeah, the tank is just like, oh, but of course it does. Yeah. You know, like you knew they weren't going to die, but I mean, it didn't it have to be. It would have taken some balls if it shot her first, then the thing fell off the wall and he escaped. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's really it's, yeah it's really interesting you didn't pick up on that though Ian. you know like... I, I i might i feel dumb that i haven't but i was waiting so i'm just it's because i know that's that wasn't even a possibility in my mind so where my brain went was is he gonna shoot the floor or some scaffolding or just is he gonna try and fall through the building so that they get to the lower floor does he want the building to collapse around them so that they can escape and then the thing falls off the wall. And I was like, oh, that's a better plan. We'll shoot that instead. Just suicide is just never a thing that enters into my mind with Bond. So maybe I just feel dumb. Um, speaking of dumb, the CIA isn't given much credit in this fucking film, is it? Jesus criminy. Um, I mean, Felix is depicted nearly as an alcoholic. Uh, baby David Harbour um, is useless. He's just, what is the point yeah. of him? As always, David Harbour is fantastic and he's just great to watch on screen but mm. it's so two-dimensionally corrupt we're just like well yeah everyone's a bad guy if we didn't deal with bad guys we wouldn't deal with anybody but and the fact yeah, that that's said twice in the film as well by the brits and by the americans it's like well uh. i just don't fucking like any of you people then do i um and i'm just so so sick 
of Daniel Craig and Ethan Hunt being disavowed by people. Like, they just spend their entire careers being disavowed. It's like, well, why don't you just wake up in the morning and just go rogue? What's the point? I, I just... it, And then that, every film ends the same. It's, we need you back. I never left. <sighs> oh, yeah. And then it kind of... Resets and it's back to normal. Um, I'm just uh, done with it. I'm done. If Bond is never, ever not disavowed again, I'll be happy. Um, as we're as we're ranting about um, spy agencies, M's outfit seems to have got a massive upgrade in this film with their fancy touchscreen swipe flip. Holy shit! Oh, where did that come from? I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. That was Minority yeah. Report Can- levels of bring that screen up on the wall. Yeah. Now bring it onto the table. And I was like, fuck! This was ten years ago. We don't have <laughs> that now. Considering when you know the in Casino Royale, Bond calls in, and supposedly this is like days before, calls in and, <laughs> and um, Tobias Menzies is her PA or secretary, whatever, and he's like, yeah. let me see if I can get her on, on like the little old dial-up phone kind of thing. <laughs> and now it's just like flipping and tracking, and it's just like, oh, okay. And her house has got fucking Alexa in it, and it's like, put Bond through, I'm running a bath. Like, this is, it was such a weird theme between this film and the next, and sorry, yeah. and Casino Royale, of seeing M's house. And it's like, I don't, I don't need that. I don't need to see where she lives. It's fucking weird. But you're right. The, the technology jump between two days is immense. Speaking of my, my love for M, I mean, she doesn't have as many kind of brilliant quips in this film as she did in Casino right. Royale, where she had that you know, brilliant line about the Cold War. Um, <laughs> and it just made me feel how, I... how kind of there was a bit of a missed opportunity there. Because actually, you know, I was watching... As I mentioned, I'm watching the, the Brosnan films at the moment and Emma's brilliant in those. And like, she's just casually in a car while they're driving around London having, you know, a drink, alcohol, like while chatting yes. business. And I'm just like, Queen, love you. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it felt like she was almost too serious in this film and they needed to give yes. some of that better banter between her and Bond that wasn't the, oh, are you going to kill someone again kind of thing. Um, and actually was a bit more kind of authentic to the character. Yeah, this was far too much... This was far too motherly mm. and far too scolding to Bond. Um, and th- the one time that she has a big opportunity to fight is against the foreign secretary, and he just destroys her. Yeah. And she doesn't really have anything to say, or and she's terrified to go into that meeting. And it's like, that's not the M that I'm used to seeing. I I didn't like any of that meeting. No, I thought it was she came across as you know a day one intern. Nearly, yeah, I know I'm being no, really no, harsh no, now, right. but like like if you're the head of MI6, not only do you know this guy's pin code, but like <laughs> you also you you have something in your back pocket if you know what to say. He's a fucking politician. Like he doesn't know shit. Exactly. Uh, he's the foreign minister. Sure, it's a big job. This week, that's, that's fine. But they yeah. change but, they change hands so quickly. She shouldn't really give a shit who he is yeah, at all. You want her to kind um, of say, "I was here long before you, and I'll be here long after you," kind of thing. Exactly. That, that will be perfect. Style, yes. You know, yeah. and, and me and Bond will outlive you and your career. Yeah, it just felt like a massive yeah. missed opportunity. Oh, that would have been a great line. It's like, yeah, well, the double O agents have a life expectancy of six months, considerably longer than a foreign secretary. <laughs> Bring but me I... in to write this movie in the past. There we go. Yeah, come on. Right. Time time travel. Back <laughs> to 2008. They need you. Walks out of the office and slams the door. You'll be a scab, Ian, for crossing the writer's strike Fuck. lines. Um, I'm not going to get into that because that's something <laughs> that's... But never mind. Um, yeah. 
Oh, right, um, I've just I've got the IMDb cast list in front of me, and that's what I'm kind of basing this on. Uh, that's it. Uh, so one, <laughs> there's, there's one other like kind of I would say urban myth with this film, which I came across, which is quite interesting. Um, first oh. off, can either of you sing any of the theme song? No, that's cheating. That's the bit from Casino Royale. Well, I've actually listened to it three or four times today because I. Of the Daniel Craig songs, this is the worst. It's my least favorite, but I actually still like us. I actually like the song. It's okay. I, I liked it less rehearing it this time because I hadn't seen the film, but I always listen to the Bond theme when it comes out because it's interesting. Mm. Um, I, I like it. I wish I'd kept it in my memory bank because I liked it less this time round. No, yeah. say no, I liked. I liked it. So was, I can't um, remember the words. There's um, a kind of a, a story that was doing the rounds, which is quite interesting. So. Shirley Bassey actually recorded a song. Um, I think it was called No Good oh. No Good About Goodbyes or something like that. Um, which No, it's No Time to Die. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> which references the word solace in it. And actually, the music was written by uh, our good friend David Arnold, who does the music for the film. Mm. So this kind of urban myth emerged that it was rejected for the film. Um, and so actually if you go on YouTube you can see the opening credits with that Shirley Bassey song over it it's so much better <laughs> it's so oh, much better wow. it, it sounds like a classic it, it sounds like a classic Bond film and even oh, like the opening awesome. music ties into the score so it became this kind of thing until David Arnold basically came out and said actually no you know we yeah yes I did it with Shirley but actually you know, we'd already. It was never meant for Bond. Well, yeah, we'd already signed up Alicia Keys and Jack White, Jack White. Uh, yeah. to yeah. to do the theme. So it was just one of those interesting kind of urban myths around films that kind of carried on for years until it was debunked. But uh, it's worth having a listen to the or yeah, watching the opening credits with that music over it. It's it's a very different experience. It feels very classic okay. Bond. Uh, That's yeah. interesting because of course Shirley Bassey she did Diamonds Are Forever and Goldfinger and right? did she do she any did more Moonraker, I, think, didn't she? I think so although I can't remember what Moonraker is yeah he's crap did three yeah that too um, but yeah so so that's well worth a watch and actually yeah if if Ian is going to rewrite the film then I'm going to redo that opening bit do it with Shirley absolutely I, I just, it was Alicia Keys. It's just such a weird choice pairing Jack White with Alicia Keys. And Jack Jack White was so noughts and of the moment. It was kind of like, who can we get that's kind of like Chris Cornell? Jack White. Close enough. But Alicia Keys is good enough to do this shit on her own. She didn't need to no. be paired with somebody. It's the only duet so far, right? Because I know it's the first, but oh yeah, of course there hasn't been one since. Well, unless you count and... the wings um, with Paul McCartney. In fairness, uh, Duran Duran, you know, band, yeah. yeah. Well, but, um, like, in fairness, and they've kept doing that, of taking the person of, of the moment. Now, it's just been much better each time since. They Adele, usually... Sam yeah. Smith, which I do Good like one. that song. It took me a while, but I do like I that, love song. that song. And I have to say, Billie Eilish's song, For No Time To Die, I really like that. I will say, though, that if they don't get Jennifer Hudson to do a Bond theme at some point... I will go crazy. They're missing out. Well, correct, but wow. I always wanted them to have Ellie Golding as well, and they just they've missed that. That's who should have no. Really? Oh, what's wrong with Ellie Golding? Is she? Well, she. All, all respect to Ellie Golding, but Bond. Yeah, really? she did the theme for Fifty Shades. That feels like 
Good well, she, no, but she released a pop song that okay, now that's the same as releasing a Bond song. <laughs> exactly. Sorry. Shit. <laughs> um, no, she was in. The, I'm sure she was in the running for Skyfall. She was she like talking. Been, yeah, I, I, I think she has a great voice. I love Ellie Golding. I thought you were going to say she's like an anti-vaxxer or something. I was like, no, no, she's cancelled. No. <laughs> so whenever Sean gives me that eyeball, I'm like, well, what's wrong with this person? <laughs> no, it's just, it's just a choice. I, I it wouldn't have ever entered my mind. Oh, she's great. Yeah. Oh, she might. And be then very she might English do a song, thing. and it might be amazing. Yeah, but no, I. Oh, fair enough. I'll but then again, no. if you'd said to me Billie Eilish for Bond, I would have been like, um, whereas actually I think hmm. it's great. Then again, if you'd said Adele to me, I'd be like, yes, book her for every film. Well, I'm amazed. Like the as soon as Spectre was announced, it was oh Adele's going to do this one as well because she's the new Shirley Bassey. Like, it, I think At she will Spectre. just come back and do it again. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the uh, writing's on the wall. And- the only other thing I'd say on the music is this is David Ariel's last Bond film. Um, yeah, because Thomas Newman did Skyfall. Did he do Spectre as well? I can't remember who did Spectre, but Zimmer did No Time to Die. No Time. Nice. Yeah. I can't remember the score for this film. Is it good? It's actually, it's a more complicated score than, yeah. than Casino Royale, but it doesn't massively stand out. Probably, probably because there, yeah, probably because there isn't like proper character beats to have character themes to resonate yeah there we the go film. sure yeah. so i think it's a victim of the um the script again sadly um but actually there is there is some good scoring in it it's you're right sean it's more complex it builds on some of the casino royale stuff um but yeah it just sadly doesn't get its moment to i think my my let's all wrap up by saying one thing positive about the film for me there were some interesting locations so this film will always be beige to me because of all of the the sand and the marketing for it. But the desert is kind of interesting. The hotel is pretty cool. The 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 locations at the beginning of the film when they're in Italy, Sienna, Sienna and yes, and the Opera Sienna. House, those individual locations I really really like. But they just the the shit that happens in them is dull or just white noise. Um, shit, I went on to a negative. The good, I like the locations. Even even Russia <laughs> at the end. Yeah, no, I like that. That was a, yeah, yeah. it was a choice. Yeah. Yeah, I, t- I would agree with you, actually. No, I you think. have to pick your own good thing. <laughs> I will, but I have to say that I'm agreeing and building on your Thank point, you. and then I'll give you my <laughs> own one. Um, yeah, and no, I agree. It, it, it felt like we were going sort of more interesting and exotic places that maybe Bond hadn't been to before. Mm. Um, so the the idea of Bolivia was quite interesting. Um, so yeah, I agree. With and that. then we get Scotland. I think for me, the next film. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, it's not much I can say that's positive about this film. Um, I liked the Tom Ford tailoring. <laughs> Very nice. I like Bond's yeah. jacket that he wears in Russia. That jacket is. He sharp. has a lovely. He has a lovely cardigan that actually I would happily wear. That he wears at one point. I think it's in uh, when he's visiting Mathis. Mm. Yes. Um, and I, w- I I remember seeing it and saying, must remember to show this to Ian because he loves the cardigan. Um with the cardigan I'm wearing. Yeah, and, and he had some nice sunglasses as well. So, oh, so that for the, me... The ones with like the white rims. I'm sure they were white. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah they were kind of like oversized aviators yeah, as well yeah. that were quite, quite nice too. Um, so there you go. That's that's my, my one thing. Oh, good. Sean. I liked his uh, short little scene with Felix in the bar it's very short mm. but I do like um, Daniel Craig and Jeffrey Wright are very good together and they both play their beleaguered yeah. um, you know respective agents well although I think one of the 
one of the funniest lines in the film is where Bond kind of says to him, it's like, you know, God, you Americans just don't care about cutting or cutting countries up into bits. And he goes, it's a bit rich coming from a brick. <laughs> like, that was good. That was a good line. Um, so, yeah, so I, I like that scene. I thought that was very good. They're great together. They're so, so good. He's like, so how long have I got? And um, Felix is like, you got about 30 seconds until they're here. And this is the best line that Craig delivers in the whole film. It's like, well, better hurry up then. Like, I'm not going anywhere, and I know you're going to give me the information because you're a good guy, so mm. chop, chop, come on. Um, I like that reverse psychology. Um, but again, so you just reminded me of another really poorly written line, and it's when, sorry, M... This is the positive no, wrap-up M, bit, shut Ian. Up. M, at the very... It's your fucking description! At the very end, M says that... Um, Greg Beam, David Harbour has been fired and Felix has been promoted. And I was like, okay, that worked out well. So Craig slaps us around the face with it by saying, right, so everybody who was supposed to keep their jobs kept their job. Thanks for the update, Bond. <laughs> what was the point in that? It was so overwritten. That was Deanna Troy stating the Oh, absolutely, kind of yeah. I think it? the Romulans are up to something. Gee, thanks, councillor. <laughs> I can't sense anything. What is the point of view? What is get, the actual point of view? Get off my yeah. bridge. <laughs> oh, I love Deanna. Don't be mean to Deanna. She was poorly written. Um, we like Marina Sirtis. Deanna is good in Nepenthe. Right, well, next week we promise will be considerably more fun and less critique-y. Um, and we're going to cover off Skyfall, which is an objectively Ooh. good Bond movie. It, it's just a good film, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to pretend to understand all of it because it seems to pull so much from Bond's origins and backstory and stuff that I just didn't know about. But we'll um, we'll get to that next week. Yeah, thanks for joining us again, Albie. You're awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for putting me through the pleasure of watching this film. Putting you through the pleasure. That sounds like a euphemism. It doesn't sound like a euphemism. It sounds like exactly what it is. Right, we will be here to put you through the pleasure next week as well. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to An Englishman and an Irishman Go to the Movies. I, at least, would love to hear your thoughts on the episode. Sean couldn't care enough to record this with me. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at EnglishIrishGTM, email us at anenglishmanandanirishman at gmail.com, and check out our website, www.anenglishmanandanirishman.wordpress.com where you'll find all of our previous episodes. You'll find me on Twitter, at Galactic underscore Dave, and you'll find Sean, at Sean Ferrick. Thanks for being awesome, and we love you very much. <laughs>